tonight and grab your Bibles and we're going to take a look here in the Word of God. And the last uh, few weeks we have been preaching on the person of the Holy Ghost. And we have talked about the intellect of the Spirit. Uh, and, or, or in better terms, the mind of the Spirit. And uh, we, last Wednesday, we were talking about the will of the Spirit. So we're talking about intellect, we're talking about will, and tonight we're going to be talking about the emotion of the Spirit. It has been said that three characteristics that a person has in order to be a person is intelligence, will, and emotion. And when we look at this, we find the Word of God also connotates the fact that we love the Lord. How do we love the, how do we love the Lord? With all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength and or our body, right? With all that's within us. And so these things are reiterated to us. This is what, uh, this is what makes us who we are. And so when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, one of the things that we've been endeavoring to do in preaching about the person of the Spirit is the fact that the Holy Ghost is more than just a feeling. The Holy Ghost is more than just an expression of worship, a tear, a shout, you know, a, a sense of emotion or excitement. But we have talked about the fact that as the blessed third person of the Trinity, that He leads us with the mind of God and the will of God, the will of the Spirit, and tonight we're going to be looking at the emotion, and uh, so we're going to look here at the Word of God as what He would want to say here to us tonight, amen. If you would this evening, turn with me to uh, the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter number 5. The book of Acts chapter number 5, and we're going to read here a few verses, verses 1 through 3, and we're going to look here at a familiar story. As a matter of fact, it's very early, a very early story in the history of the New Testament church. And uh, something that many of us, we learned about maybe in Sunday school, or you might remember the stories in kids' church and things of that nature, or heard this preached on. But I want, you to, I want you to see something here in regards to uh, some folks that when they had, when they had went against, went against the, the will of the Spirit, but also as to the emotion of the Spirit. And so we're going to look here. Acts chapter 5, starting at verse number 1. If you're there with me, would you say Amen. The Bible says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. So here's what it is. Let me just lay a little bit of groundwork for you as a reminder. The Bible tells us the early church, they had all things in common. And so some that had properties and other possessions, they were selling those things they were bringing those monies into the storehouse, the church, and then they were distributing to help to meet the needs of the people of the church family. And so Ananias and Sapphira, they sold this piece of property. And what they did is they said, well, we sold it for X amount, which was a lie, so that they could keep back a portion for themselves. So this is the groundwork. This is the backstory, And so it says here, they kept back part of the price. His wife, Sapphira, also being privy to it, privileged to this information, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, and he does so by way of the unction of the Spirit. What have we been talking about? The mind of God. The will of the Spirit. So the Spirit has revealed to Peter what's going on. And he says, Ananias, why have Satan filled thine heart, listen to this, to lie to the Holy Ghost? Notice the specificity there. He says, why have you lied 
to the Holy Ghost. And to keep back part of the price of the land. Now, I'm going to stop there in reading, but the story goes to tell us that Ananias, Ananias is struck down dead. He falls down dead at the feet of the apostles. They carry him out. Sapphira comes in, and she has opportunity to tell the truth, but she is well lies. And the Bible said, Peter said to her, said, the same man, same men that carried your husband out, they're coming to carry you out too. Wouldn't it be something if God still worked in that way with us today? When we have offended, when we have lied, when we have done something contrary to the Spirit of God, I tell you, we'd be a whole lot more careful of what we're doing. We would take things a whole lot more serious if there was immediate consequence as there was that day. And so tonight, we're going to be looking here at the emotion of the Spirit. In other words, the spirit offended. The spirit offended. Let's pray together tonight. Father, once again, we thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word, your presence. Lord, each and every heart represented tonight, your people. I pray you'd anoint your word, our hearts and ears to hear, my mind and lips to preach. As always, we want you to be glorified. Hide me behind the cross and help us to hear what you have to say. Reveal yourself in our hearts. I know your word will accomplish what it's sent to do. Challenge us, convict us, draw us, we do pray. And I thank you for what you'll do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. The Spirit has emotion. The Spirit can be and is offended by or our lack of action or interaction with him. I want you to understand tonight that when we take a look at the term emotion, using this term, it simply means this. And this is the most simplistic definition. In Webster, there were different things talking about emotion, but one of the definitions simply said this, any strong emotion... We know in our humanity that we are emotional beings. There are different types of feelings that we feel, emotions that we have. In a given day, there are all types of things. Things that might excite us, things that might cause or produce happiness, some things that might produce sadness, some things that might have your emotions, maybe you feel anxious. We could talk about depressed or discouraged. We could even talk about being frustrated or angry. As a matter of fact, in these emotions, we come to find that even something like anger, we are permitted, Brother Drew, to feel angry. It's biblical. Well, hold on, Brother Jake. I didn't think we are supposed to get angry. Well, Jesus said it like this. Be angry, but what? Sin not. And why did he say that? Well, because of the fact that As living beings, as eternal beings, God has put emotion in us. And so therefore, because God has put emotion in us, we must understand that emotion as well is known and felt and experienced by God as well. Now, is he governed or controlled by those emotions like we often are? No, he's not. Because he's perfect. You're not going to read in scripture that on a particular day of the month or in a particular day of the, during the reign of a particular king that, that God had a bad day, that he threw up his hands and quit. That he resigned that day. But we do know that God has been grieved. We do know that God has been angry. We do know that God at times has wanted to deal. We find in the very beginning of Genesis, we find the Bible said that the thoughts 
of man were exceedingly wicked. Their hearts were, and that their imagination, it was just, it was uh, abominable. It was just terrible, exceedingly wicked. It was uh, far away from the things of God. And therefore, Sister Gay, we come to find it said that God had regretted, for lack of a better term there, he regretted the fact. It, it grieved him what the condition of humanity was. That he had created man. And so what did the Bible say was going to happen? That God was going to send a flood that would purge the earth of that wickedness. Save Noah and his family. We come to find as well in the book of Exodus. While Moses was there leading the people of Israel. We come to find that God at different times. He was uh, heartbroken and angered with the behaviors of Israel. As a matter of fact, there's a point in time as to where you might remember a conversation between God and Moses. And God, uh, if I can paraphrase, said, I'm just going to take care of them. I'm going to strike them down. And Moses said, no, Lord, don't do that. Moses began to intercede for the children of Israel. He said, if you do that, he said, then you're going to prove what others said. And that was that you brought them out into the wilderness to die. And so we find that Moses' intercession, Moses' prayer, if you would, was a fact that it appeased the Lord. We find in the fact that even Christ on the cross, we find that one of the seven cries that came from Calvary was the fact that he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We come to find that there are many theologians that will tell you that Jesus made that statement in the sense that as all of the sin of the world was upon the Son, that God the Father couldn't look upon that sin and had to turn away. And so in this we find that by way of sin, by way of rebellion, by way of hardened hearts, and the Bible uses a term stiff necks, that's just another term for being downright stubborn. These things, it grieves the heart of God, and it, and it breaks the heart of God. We find that the, the psalmist shares as to where there came a time that, that someone had rejected God long enough that there came a time that God removed himself from a man, and that man found himself in calamity, found himself in trouble. And it was then, Sister Bambi, that he called out to God. But the psalmist said that God laughed at that man and his calamity. You hear me? I want you to understand tonight we live in a world as to where God is blasphemed on every hand. As to where not only the world is there blatant and brazen sin that is in the very public streets, in our education centers, from elementary to the university, it's in our places of government, it is in businesses, it is behind the closed doors of the homes in your neighborhood and mine. Well, but Brother Jake, I live on the good end of town. Chances are it's probably worse where you live then. The secret sins that go on, the things that are happening behind closed doors, hear me. And not just those places, but as well what happens in the church. What happens in places that are supposed to be holy. What happens in places where God is supposed to be able to move in his liberty and in his power. But we find in 2023, I know that tonight you did not come to hear me tell you everything that's wrong with the church. And I'm not going to do that. I don't have to do that. We are all smart enough and wise enough to know the things. And we look around the church age and we know there's all kinds of things that are going on. But gentlemen, ladies, I can assure you of this. Is that we are in an hour where the Holy Ghost is grieved. We are living in an hour where the Holy Ghost is offended. And we can expect such behavior from the world. We can expect such behavior from the lost, from the heathen, from the unchurched, from the ones that are out in wickedness. 
But tonight I believe God would want to deal with us. So-called his people. When we find ourselves in a place. And I believe that place is a place of dangerous ground. When we are blatantly and willingly partaking, acting, living, thinking, speaking. Holding in our hearts things that are contrary to the word of God. The mind of God. The will of God and the emotion of God, the Holy Ghost. We have to search our hearts, or should I say we had better let the Spirit of God search our hearts. Because often now we live in a place that we want to do what we want to do first. Because we think we don't have to worry about certain consequences Because, like I said, consequences normally are not immediate. Tonight, I'm not standing here and I'm not calling somebody out by name and something that you did or something you said or some way that you lied or some way that you misbehaved or in some way that you were immoral. I'm not calling you on the carpet and saying, why is it that you did this? Why is it that you grieved the Holy Ghost? Why is it that you have lied to the Spirit of God and somebody lay down dead in this church floor? If that was the case, I assure you a couple of things would be happening. Number one, there would be a real revival of repentance that would take place. We'd be packing this place out with people who'd be looking to get themselves right with God. And we would take our walk with God much more seriously. We would take church much more seriously. We'd take the word of God much more seriously. We'd take a move of God much more seriously. Friends, tonight I want you to understand that some of the things that we've been preaching about the person of the Holy Ghost is because I believe it's important that we bridge the gap that where there is disconnect where there is just a thought that the Spirit of God's just out there floating around somewhere. But no, sir, no, ma'am, one of the things that we've been preaching and reiterating over and over is the Spirit of God. He is in us. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, know you not that you are, somebody say, I am. You are, I am, we are the temple Of the Holy Ghost. And tonight I want you to understand that when we talk about the emotion of the Spirit. It is because the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost has feeling. The Word of God lets us know that the Spirit, the Spirit can be. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He can be offended. We find in this, and he can be blasphemed. We see as to where there are dire consequences to a people that are so willing and careless to offend the Spirit of God. What's interesting is we find that we have it backwards. Instead of us worrying about offending the Spirit of God, we find a whole generation who says, I don't like church because the Spirit of God's offended me. We will clamor, pack out churches where there is no preaching against sin. They will hush up. And I'm, and I'm not talking about any other denomination but Pentecost, so-called Pentecostal churches. That now will hush up, squelch, and quiet even the moving of the Spirit. You get a little loud. You get a little exuberant in your worship. If you are used in the gifts of the Spirit, buddy, they will shut you down. They will tell you there's no place for that. Over 15 years ago. Just to tell you how long ago it was. This is not a 2023 problem. What's happening is this. Brother Keith, it's been a problem for a long time. But here we are in 2023. And Brother Michael, what's happening is, is we are eating the fruit of decisions of 20 plus years ago. You hear me? 
We're eating the fruit of it. So now we look up and we say, well, it's a 2023 problem. The church of 2023 is in trouble. But we are in trouble because there's stuff been going on a long time ago. Over 15 years ago, I read a prominent ministry magazine. A prominent ministry magazine came across my desk. And it was interviewing a quote-unquote very large church. Record attendance. Amazing programs, amazing worship. These were the superlatives used to define their church and define their leadership and define their music and define their children's ministry and define all of the things going on. It was a place everybody wanted to be. And so in their efforts of all the things that they were doing, they said, we have a Sunday We have one Sunday out of the month, and we call it Holy Spirit Sunday. That's what I did. Brother Jimmy, I laughed out loud. They said, we call it Holy Spirit Sunday, and it's on that day that we will invite the Spirit of God to move, draw people to the altar where gifts of the Spirit can be used, But that is the only Sunday he gets. Hear me. That was over 15 years ago. I read that article. Couldn't believe what I was reading. Couldn't believe in a so-called Pentecostal denomination. And that's the thing, church. We have reached the point. We are Pentecostal in singing style. We are Pentecostal in dress codes. We are Pentecostal in preaching mannerisms. We are Pentecostal in style. We are Pentecostal sometimes in legacy. But we are missing the mark. Let me just reaffirm something here. I don't care How many ways that you can put on the church sign that you're spirit-filled, spirit-baptized, Pentecostal, apostolic, whatever the case might be, Holy Ghost and fire. But I'll tell you this, is that if the Spirit of God is not in that place moving, you are no more Pentecostal than the man on the moon. I'll tell you right now, we are only Pentecostal by way of Pentecostal experience and that experience is not man-made or drummed up but it comes by way of the blessed third person the Holy Ghost his mind, his will his emotion at work amongst the hearts and people inside of a place you can package it, program it, write it up broadcast it. I don't care what you do, but if the spirit has been offended, he will leave that house. You hear me? I'll never forget, and I'm getting ready to shake up somebody's theology real bad right now, so I'm just warning you, because it shook mine up. I was working with Brother Goodwin there in Livingston, and we were at a Hospital. One of the families in the church, one of the members was having a surgery in Houston. So we were in Houston. And this surgery was going to last a little bit. So he was in the waiting room. And uh, it, was a, uh, it was a cold morning. It was, a win- it was during the winter time. Well, we had on slack shirt, tie. And, and we both had an uh, overcoat. And uh, overcoat that had some length to it. So we're both wearing that. We never thought anything of it. And we go walking into that waiting room. And a couple of fellas sitting in that waiting room, they kind of looked at us and said, you guys with the FBI? We should have had fun with it and said, yes, we are. Special Agent Smith and Goodwin. And we're here to take care of business. <laughs> we we, we could have we had some fun with it. We said, no. We laughed because we kind of looked at one another and said, well, we're walking around in these trench coats and our suit, suits on and kind of looked that way, you know. But we said, I said, no. And he said, I'm pastor of Beach Creek Assembly of God and all of this. And that gentleman, there was two gentlemen sitting there. And one of those gentlemen, he slid to the edge of his seat and he said, Assembly of God. He said, so what do y'all, what do y'all believe? And so we were talking and, uh, about that. And he said, do you believe in the moving of the Spirit? 
We said, oh yes, absolutely. The baptism in the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, the working of the Spirit in our services, the worship and in all things we believe in His, that we have to have His anointing and Him to move. And he said, do you know, he said, the church I come from, he said, we didn't know what to call ourselves, but we're calling ourselves charismatic Catholics. And I looked, I said, what's a charismatic Catholic? You know what he said, Brother Chris? And this man, just as genuine as he can be, he said, he said, our priest is a little bit different. Said he don't really abide by all the rules. And said when he gets up there, he don't just give a sermonette. Said he'll preach to us. And said, and he's been preaching out of the Bible. And said he got to preaching about the Spirit of God. And said our little group of people got hungry about well, what, what all can happen with the Spirit of God. And he said, would you believe a... About 25 of us Catholics in that Catholic church. He said, we got Peter on the wall and Mary on the, over above the altar and everything else. He said, but we started having prayer meetings and our priests preaching from the Bible. And he said, we had folks. He said, we didn't really know what was taking place. But some folks up there praying. And he said, started speaking in other tongues. And said, we don't, said, we don't know all that's going on. He said, and this man as he's talking, tears are just falling down his, down his face. And he said, I'll tell you this he said he said I can't explain it all he said but I love what I'm feeling and he said and I love what God's doing he said I don't know if we'll keep Catholic on the name of the church very much longer he said but I'll tell you this he said we are having a revival Spirit of God moving and I'm saying that to say this we can sit there and we can cross our arms and say well bless God we've been a Pentecostal church for over 60 years we've done this and we've done that let me tell you something if we offend the Spirit of God if we sit down on him if we ignore him if we shut him out if we tune him out if we turn him off it doesn't matter if the church is Catholic Baptist Episcopalian or Lutheran if there are people People that are hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost, God will show up and God will move upon them. Some of you looking around saying, I know we just appreciated him last Sunday, but we're going to have to have a talk with him tonight. Because he's preaching false doctrine. No, sir, no, ma'am. Sister Shannon was telling me about a trip. She went with her ma'am and pap. That's brother and sister Clinton. And she said it was one of the trips over to Africa. She was telling me, she said, Pastor, she said, I'll never forget. She said their church was underneath a tree, Sister Brenda. Said underneath a tree. Said those tribes people was out there and said Pap got to preaching. And said right there under, the, under that tree in the middle of, of Africa. Said the Holy Ghost fell in that place. Said fell in that place. God moving amongst them people. Let me tell you something. You'd better rethink some things because you might think that we're owed something because of heritage or legacy or because of a name or because your mama was or daddy was or daddy did this or daddy preached that but I'm going to tell you right now if we are going to keep Pentecost alive if we are going to pass it down to our generation if my child and your children and your grandchildren brother dies if they're going to experience the power of God then we must position ourselves that we are not offending the Holy Ghost that we are not that we are not tuning him out, shutting him down. Friends, can I tell you, and I'll say this, the worst in all the world, say what you want about the Baptists. Say what you want about the Southern Baptists. Say what you want about those that make fun of us for talking in tongues and believing in the healing power and deliverance of the Holy Ghost. Say what you will about them. But I believe the biggest problem in the Pentecostal church is the Pentecostals. It is those who have sat here so long we become religious sticks in the mud and we think we're owed everything but sir and ma'am watch yourself we don't want to offend the spirit of God but we want to seek him we want to pursue him we want him to know he's welcome in this house oh I'm here to tell you that we have to we have to be careful 
we come to find that blasphemy, it was tolerated and even forgiven if it was against God or the Son, but against the Holy Ghost it is not. It's an unpardonable, that's what the Bible says, an unpardonable sin. I want you to understand, the Word of God tells us that the Holy Ghost will reach a point and a place with a man that he will not deal with him. The Word of God uses the term, the Spirit of God will not strive with a man always. What does that mean? That means you can sit in a church, you can hear thousands of messages, and the Spirit of God be faithful to come by and tug at your heart, call your number, read your mail, deal with you, and you can get mad and you can get offended. What did I say? We're now in a generation, they're offended by the Spirit of God. Don't preach against sin. Don't preach about righteous living. Don't preach about accountability. Don't preach about a standard. Don't preach about righteousness. Don't preach about any of those things. Don't talk the truth. Just say things that make me happy. Say things that make me feel good about myself. Say things that don't, that, that don't hurt my feelings. I don't want my feelings hurt. We need more of our feelings hurt and less of the Spirit's feelings hurt. But in this, the Bible said this, the Spirit of the Lord, you can sit there and you can be stone cold and you can every altar call, run to the bathroom, run the baby to the nursery. You can do all you can to try to hide out in a service when God's dealing with you, when God's pulling at you by your spirit. But sir and ma'am, I want you to understand something. We can sit there in our pride. We can sit there in our justified state of mind. You can sit there in your dysfunction or the sin that you don't want to give up where the spirit of God is dealing but brother Drew there will come a day if you turn him away long enough you reject him long enough he will say that's it that's it I'm done I've tried and you don't want it Romans 8 tells us of the reprobates Tells us of those, what did the word of God say? That God gave them over to the lust of their flesh, the wickedness of their flesh. It said that their conscience having been seared like a hot iron. They found themselves in a place, Brother Gary, as to where there was no more conviction. There was no more sense where God was dealing with them, meaning in the sense they were not responding to it and said God gave them what they wanted, said they burned in their own lust, men wanting men and women wanting women, doing the things which were unseemly. Let me tell you something. When you offend God, when you offend the Spirit of God, and God says okay and he washes his hands of you and he walks away from you my friend that's not a day for celebration that's not a day that you can claim your independence but that's a day you become a reprobate that's a day you're on your way to hell with no rescue that's a day that you're given over to the death that's inside of us with no hope of redemption friends I'm here to tell you the spirit of God will not always deal he won't he's a gentleman he will come he will woo he will call he will plead he'll prick that's what the Lord Jesus said to Saul who later became Paul but on the road to Damascus brother Keith listen to what he said he said Saul Saul he said, how long are you going to kick against the pricks? What did that mean? He said, how long are you going to fight conviction? How long are you going to ignore the fact that I've been calling your voice? You see, Brother Marvin, he saw the Lord as a bright shining light on the road to Damascus. And his life was changed. But I believe, Brother Tibbets, that before Damascus, that Saul would lay his head down on his bed. And he would hear in his mind the screams and cries of those Christians he just killed and persecuted. And I believe, Brother Coleman, that in those midnight hours, that there was an internal wrestling going on. There was conviction setting in because God... 
God was reaching down and touching that heart and saying, Saul, you don't do this. Saul, you don't do this. Saul later, Paul later said, I was zealous. I thought what I was doing was right. I was zealous for the things of God. I thought I was really upholding the truth. But he was a fierce persecutor, a murderer. But Jesus told him, he said, you have kicked and kicked and kicked against the pricks. He said, how long are you going to do it? How long are you going to do it? I'm asking us tonight, church, how long? Be careful. Hear the plea of this preacher. Don't play games with the Spirit of God when he's dealing with you. Don't sit so proud in your justified reasons of why you do or you don't. Don't sit so staunch in your reasons of why you can or you can't. Be careful. Be careful. Because the nudge, the conviction, and I know we use funny little terms. Well, it stepped on my toes. Or, boy, that hurt tonight. Or, well, this and that. Or whatever the case might be. I've seen them just like you. I've seen white knuckles on the back of a pew. I was in a service preaching a revival in Wapapello, Missouri. I'll never forget a night preaching, preaching about redemption, about someone being saved. And if there was ever a night that I felt I should preach about somebody coming to Christ, it was that night. I didn't know all the people in that house. I didn't know every story. I didn't know every person. And Brother Drew, that night in that service, there was a man, and every word I said, he was sitting there looking at me, and he held on to that pew. When we made the altar call, I'll never forget, he stood up, he took three steps out he wouldn't let go of the pew and he wouldn't let go and tears were falling down his face and he turned around and he went back and sat down in his pew there was a brother who slipped up behind him he wasn't forceful he wasn't a jerk but he said sir he said please I'll go with you I'll go pray with you on the altar I'll go and do it and the man said no there's no more help for me and God and he got out and left I heard some months later that man died in a I pray to God that he made things right. But I do know that night he was offending the spirit as the spirit was dealing and he would not move. Well, Brother Jake, we don't do that. We don't. It might not have been a show like that. But how many times has God moved in this house and you've sat right where you are? How many times has there been services that you knew you should be at this altar? But we say things like, I'm fine where I am. I'll pray here. I'll do this. I'll just do that. You'll make bargains with God to appease. You'll do things to try to ease your conscience and you won't yield did you know tonight that not only when the Spirit of God moves in a service and we won't move, but did you know that there's times that God is dealing with you maybe to make something right with somebody else? Somebody you need to love, somebody you need to forgive, somebody you need to make some things right with. And God's been dealing, and God's been drawing, and God's been speaking. You may not be sitting in the church. It might be happening in your house. It might be happening in your car. And Lord knows what happens when they come to mind. And there you are. Eat up with bitterness. But I'm in love with Jesus. I'm full of the Spirit. Are you? Are you? Have you offended the Lord? Have you offended the Spirit? The Word of God says this. The Word of God said, and I'm just preaching Bible to you. I told you, you're only as spiritual as you are biblical. This is what Bible said. Said, so don't come to the altar to present your gift if you've got all to get somebody. He said, if you've got all to get somebody, he said, you hold on to your gift and you don't go to that altar. He said, but you find the one you've got all against and you make it right. 
I wonder how long some altar services would be if we really practiced that. I wonder how long it would be before we really got to praying before we, until we went around the church or called somebody up on the phone and said, I'm, I realize that I'm not going to be in right standing with God. And yes, I said it. You will not be in right standing with God with awe in your heart against somebody. Don't get mad at me. Bible says so. Not Jacob. If it was Jacob who said it, I'd be on your side. Yeah. Be mad at him. Yeah. Hate him. Yeah. Be ugly to him. Yeah. Because in our humanity, that's how we feel justified. The Word of God. The Word of God. What happens when we have such things in our hearts? What happens when we possess such attitudes and characteristics? You see, ought in your heart is not necessarily bitterness or contempt in regards that there was something said or done to you. But did you know that you can have ought in your heart and you can formulate reasons in your mind why you don't like somebody just sitting in that pew and not even know that person? Preach on, preacher. You cannot like them because they don't sing what they want you, what you want them to sing. You cannot like them because they don't talk or they're not as charismatic or they're not as diplomatic as you want them to be. I've, there have been people who have been not liked for a whole lot less. And we set and we find ourselves at times and we will formulate our opinions. We will have our preferences and we will have our prejudices. And I'm telling you this tonight, church. Hear what I'm trying to say. If we possess such attitudes, you quench the spirit. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren... To dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing oil that went from Aaron's head and flowed down to his beard and down to the bottom of his garments. Anointing can always be found where there's unity. Anointing will always be found when we are doing our best to have our hearts in right standing and our conscience clear between God and man. I don't care how much talent you have. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you do so-called spiritually. I've met folks, they meet every checkbox, they have the dress code, they have the smile, they've got a title, they've got a church, they've got this, they've got that, and some of the most hateful people you've ever met. And you think the Holy Ghost is happy with that? You think the Holy Ghost is happy with our little attitudes and our tantrums? You think the Holy Ghost is happy when we are pushing and shoving proverbially so that we can have our way we better wake up we had better wake up smell the roses understand God is not pleased with such he's not pleased with such we've been talking about the fact that a spirit-filled life will take you deeper I told you last Wednesday, it'll take you so deep in the fact that there will be times that you're called to love folks, it's hard to love. You're called, called to forgive folks, it's hard to forgive. You're called to listen more and talk less. Somebody say hallelujah. We are called to do a number of things that goes against our flesh and goes against our understanding. It goes against every fiber of our being.
but God said, do it. And brother Jimmy, here's the good thing. He didn't say, do it in yourself. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'll provide you a helper. I'll provide you a helper. Brother Keith, you're not going to do it by sheer will. I appreciate, I, I applaud someone who exhibits self-discipline and self-control. We preached about it last week, remember? The Spirit's will, will, self-discipline, self-control. I appreciate that. But I'm going to tell you that there are things, Brother Coleman, that I am up against. I can't will myself past it. There's things in me. There's things in you. We can't will ourselves past it. You've got to have the Spirit of God to help you. And so we cannot quench Him. We have to get these things right with Him. We have to make them right. Because otherwise we find that we suppress 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and Sister Carolyn, if you'll come, I'm afraid I might have lost some folks already. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, this is a long verse, are you ready? Four words, quench not the spirit. That's it. Quench not the spirit. You see, we've got it so backwards we're thinking if we sing too fast, three slow, that that's the improper order. We'll quench the spirit. We'll think that if we're not reading five out of the hymnal and three off the wall, well, that ain't good. We'll quench the spirit. We're thinking that if we don't preach 45 minutes and only preach 20 minutes, Mm, that's not good. Enough. We got to find somewhere in between. He's too long. He's too short. Whatever the case might be, we're thinking that somebody's duration of pre the preaching and all of that—that's not quenching the spirit. We're thinking sometimes it's the color of the carpet. How often we do or do not do communion. We're thinking how many prayer requests we let happen. How many times testimony service does or does not happen. How many outreaches we think that we have. How many dollars we give to missions. How much we do this or that all of those things are important all of those things are wonderful and all of those things have their place but it's not the end of it all it's not the end all be all before brother Marvin we worry about all that other stuff there's one thing did you know I have one desire as pastor of this church one thing I want to happen every time we're here brother Keith I want to be sure that we keep shifting and looking and shifting and looking to the Spirit of God. We can come in just like on this Wednesday and we're so distracted and our minds are everywhere. And so what are we doing? We keep shifting and looking and through worship and through prayer and through preaching. I pray, I pray you haven't taken a nap during this preaching, but I pray the Spirit of God's been adjusting, adjusting, adjusting to when it's all said and done, Brother Eddie, what you see is God's Spirit dealing, the will of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit, the emotion of the Spirit. Because he wants to abide and walk with us and be in us. Live through us. But we've got to be careful. I don't want to offend him. I don't want to push him away. I don't want to turn him off. I don't want to quench him. I don't want to reject him over and over, Sister Debbie, where there comes a point he says, I'm not going to deal with him anymore. God help us that we don't offend the Spirit. Because the Spirit has emotion. The Spirit has emotion. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this house. Lord, I thank you tonight for the precious Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the power of the Spirit. I'm thankful for excitement. I'm thankful for when there's jubilation. I'm thankful for powerful worship. I'm thankful for all these things. But God, check our hearts tonight that we are not so complacent, that we are not so contemptible, that we are not so condemning, that we have offended the Spirit
that we have quenched the Spirit. We've denied His dealing. We have shut Him down and turned Him off and said another day, another service, another time. But God, help us. Help us tonight, Lord, that we open our hearts. Search me and know me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The sacrifices of the Lord is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Forgive us, Lord, when we've offended you. Forgive us, Lord, when we've put our flesh and our feelings above that which the Spirit has wanted to do. Forgive us, Lord, when we have set complacent and we have set with aught in our heart, when we have formulated reasons why we don't like or even love somebody. These things are hindrances, hindrances to the Spirit of God. And tonight may very well be the reason why somebody in this house feels hindered in their growth, hindered in their walk with God, hindered in feeling the Spirit of God. I don't know tonight where you, where you are, where the certain things might land here tonight, but I believe the Spirit of God is dealing. I believe He's dealing. I believe He's calling, and I'm simply going to ask if before you leave this house, you'd say, Brother Jake, I want to find a place to pray. I want my heart, my mind, my life in alignment with the Spirit of God. I don't want to offend Him. I do not want to offend Him. I don't want to suppress Him, extinguish Him. I don't want to shut Him down. Oh, I don't want things in my heart and my mind that are contrary. I realize I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Maybe there's things going on in mind. Maybe there's things going on in action. Things going on in body. Maybe there's things that need to be laid down and say, Lord, would you help me? Would you help me? I want you to be glorified. I want to be full of the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. A life in the Spirit.